Let's give God a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Come on. I, I, if you do some spiritual aerobics, I promise you'll warm up this morning. Come on, let's give God a praise. It'll warm you up this morning. If you're cold, just praise him. <laughs> I promise you it'll warm you up. Come on. The word says you were worth dying for. That's a word right there. You were worth dying for. Hallelujah. I'm so excited to be here this morning, uh, to be with everyone, to gather here today, even in this windy morning. Uh, we thought it was important that we gather and worship together as a community. And I pray that we could never lose sight of, of the importance of fellowship. My seminary professor did a workshop and he said, I want you to look at the time away from home um, and being at home is not something permanent, but as corrective vision. He said, it was never designed for you to wear glasses, but if you have to wear them, you wear them. But most people don't wear, that don't wear glasses means the vision is correct. So church, fellowship, and community is correct. And sometimes we have to have corrective vision when we can't get here. That makes sense? Amen, amen. So I appreciate you all coming this morning. We are in the second week of our 10-week series entitled Mike from the Margins, Turning the Table on Injustice. And last week, we looked at Romans chapter 1, verses 16, and discovered that God has the power to save by liberating and revealing his righteousness to those who are on the margins. But this week, we're going to look at the power of the disinherited and it's 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 10. Uh, let me read the scripture for us this morning and pray. Father, we thank you, we honor you, we bless you for the God of our salvation. God, you are the potter, we are the clay. Mold us, shape us, make us to what you need us to be. Holy Spirit, you give us full authority. Speak with our minds, speak with our tongue, love with our minds, love with our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's children say, amen, amen, amen. Um, our scripture reading will be, you may be seated this morning, will be from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 10. This is the word of the Lord. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into the wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from the sinful desires which wages war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visit us. Verse 11 grabs our attention this morning. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners in exile to from sinful desire which wages war against your soul. For the time that's mine this morning, I just want to preach from the title, Embracing the Power of the Disinherited. Embracing the Power of the Disinherited. Grace City, one of the terms that is used in theology is duck quacking while you're preaching. No, I'm no. And theology is this idea in this word diaspora. The word means dispersion of Jewish people. It generally uses and describes those who identify with a homeland 
but the people are living outside of that land. What often happens is one lives in a place that is not considered their homeland, and oftentimes the rights, the privileges, and the protections of those who are born in that land are not given to them. You know, the history of the Hebrew culture is that they were in Egypt, Babylon, and Rome, where they lived outside of the country they were born in, but they were under the dominant rule of the culture of that time, the rule of Egypt, the rule of Babylon, and the rule of Rome. But Howard Thurman tags this term disinherited. Oftentimes when people live in a place where rights and privileges are not afforded like the Jewish people, oftentimes they are oppressed, mistreated, enslaved, and those are, those are the people without power. But the Bible tells us a story of the oppressed people, diaspora, who was taken out of the land, placed in bondage. First, Egyptian bondage. Second, Babylonian bondage. And third, Roman oppression. In other words, the Jewish people always been people with their backs against the wall. And the people with their backs against the wall, Howard Thurman calls them the disinherited. You know, in America, people of color, especially African Americans, have been deserted people and their backs have been against the wall. But I think we fail to understand that there is power in embracing the disinherited. In uh, 1949, Howard Thurman wrote a book called Jesus the Disinherited. And he said he's teaching, in that book he teaches that he sees Jesus through the eyes of the oppressed and discusses a nonviolent approach to oppression. And Thurman's writing was very influ influential for Dr. Martin Luther King's approach who looked at Gandhi's approach on nonviolence. Jesus, being a Jew, went and was a part of the disinherited. You know, even today, we feel the cry of the disinherited, those who are brought from another country that now call their home. But, it's, but just like uh, those people of the Jewish culture, the African-American and people of color have also felt this same pain. Uh, the pain of the continent moved from the continent of Africa to systems of slavery, to Jim Crow, to the disparities and protections of black and brown people. But Israel are called the disinherited. But oftentimes from the dominant culture that people are mistreated, Howard Thurman says there are three things that cause this. It's fear, it's deception, and it's fear, deception, and it's hatred of otherness. Christianity Today, Christian Collins Wins, tells how Howard Thurman in 1930 took a mission trip to India and described a conversation he had with a young Indian lawyer who made his observation. He said, what are you doing over here? I know that the newspaper are saying about a pilgrimage of friendship and rest, but that's not my question. What are you doing over here? More than 300 years ago, your forefathers were taken from western coast of Africa. The people who dealt in slave traffic were Christians. The men who brought the slaves were Christians. Christian ministers, quoting the Christian apostle Paul, gave sanctions of religion to the systems of slavery during all periods since this emancipation. You have lived in a Christian nation in which your segregation and you've been lynched and burned even in the church. I understand there is segregation, but I'm a Hindu. I do not understand. Here's, here, here you are in a country standing deep in Christian faith and tradition. I do not wish to rule, be rude to you, 
But sir, I think you are a traitor to all the darker people of the earth. I am wondering what you, intelligent man, can say in defense of this position. And Thurman wants to, says this argument. He says there are three hounds of hell. He said, pursue people who live in such predicament. Fear, perception, and hatred. Ironically, each hound can be healed using as a tool of surviving personal systematic oppression. Fear can focus on the mind and train the body to avoid situations and encounter which could lead to violence of death. Deception can keep the oppressor in the dark regarding an individual community, real feelings, motivation, actions, and even aspiration. And hatred can steal the resolve of those who find themselves facing overwhelming error. But how would Thurman's argument allow, says allowing fear, deception, and hatred become the ruling ethos disposes comes with a significant price. He says habitually anyone who hounds of hell ultimately takes tolls on humanity and oppress, further stealing from them their dignity and ability to reimagine the world for a genuine social transformation. Howard Thurman says fear, deception, hatred of otherness is a problem, but he says embracing Jesus who is the disinherited, is the answer. He said, Howard Thurman says, Jesus is the model for those who are oppressed, living on the margins with back against the wall. Howard Thurman understood the power of embracing the disinherited. Jesus is an alien, stranger from another country, non-citizen of Rome. He was a Jewish diaspora. He was the disinherited. Jesus is the model for us, for those who are disinherited. Why? Because there's power and embracing the disinherited. He's one who was in the midst of injustice, brought justice because there's power in embracing the disinherited. He is the one in the midst of our own oppression, came to set free. Why? Because he, there is power and embracing the disinherited. He is the one in his own bondage went to a cross to set you and me free. Why? Because there's power in the disinherited. He is the one in the midst of rejection that was accepted our sin. Right in the middle of sin, he accepted us as we are because there's power in the disinherited. He is the one that was willing to sacrifice his life, die on that cross, that you and I may live. Why? Because there's power in the disinherited. See, you looking cute this morning because you don't think you're the disinherited. But I come to tell you this morning, we all are the disinherited because this is not our home. We have a kingdom in heaven. He has the power to raise us all from sin and death from that cross. Why? Because there's power in the disinherited. Church, the greatest problem with those who are disinherited is they don't have a sense of belonging. Have you ever been in a place where you never felt like you belong? And here, Kendra Chariot says a sense of belonging involves more simply than being acquainted with other people. But it is instead the center on gaining acceptance, attention, support for members of a group as well as providing the same attention to other members. 
Grace City as the church, the people of faith. Our faith is about those who are on the outside, who are disinherited, those with their backs against the long, having a sense of belonging that they had. They are not disinherited, but they have a heritage in Jesus Christ. God's in the person of Jesus came to earth as the disinherited to redeem those who are lost in their sin. He goes to the margins, to the outside, and select outsiders and everyone and to let them know you belong. Jesus wants each and every person who was oppressed, who's suffering, who's here, who's, who's dealing with oppression and suffering, to know that you belong. And not only do you belong, but I, you are not disinherited. I've given you a heritage in me. Well, in our text this morning, the first century church were the disinherited. They were Jewish people under oppressive Roman rule. And under the Roman rule, they are not citizens because they're not born a Roman. They were Christians and was not part of the dominant culture. And the people had the finest sense of belonging. Peter is writing to encourage the disinherited. During this time, many Christians were being martyred for the sake of the gospel. Peter in chapter 2 is reflecting on the point of their conversion and reminding them that they have a new life in Christ and they've been closed with something new. In other words, he says to them, you don't have to do things like everybody else is doing things. You don't have to treat people like everybody else think you treat people. You don't have to live in fear, deception, or hatred. Why? Because in Christ, your life is different. He says to them, you have a different identity. You have a different identity than the world. You have a different power structure than the world. He says, you can embrace the power and the disinherited. Peter says that the people who are on the margins are being built as spiritual houses. The rejection that was experienced in Christ is, 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 is that, that, that people experience is Christ's rejection. The injustice that people experience is Christ's injustice. The oppression that people experience, Christ experienced this oppression. The segregation that people, that, that people experience, Christ says, I experienced this. Peter says, this is the disinherited Christ. And he says to us, it's power and embracing the disinherited. You know, Grace City, when you embrace the disinherited, you will see worth in the disinherited. Let me say that again. You know when you embrace the disinherited, then because you will see worth in the disinherited. Look at, I'm not making it up, right? Verse 9 says, but you are a chosen generate people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into the wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are a people, but once had not received mercy, but now receive mercy. Here we find Peter in the community under tremendous pressure. And when the community is under this pressure, the people begin to bicker and badger with one another. And Peter is now addressing this. He says to them, reminds them that they're outward. Stop being so outward focused. Don't be so inward focused and understand to be outward focused. He says, he says, and he says, listen, your Jesus was disinherited. He was rejected. He was, he was the rejected cornerstone. 
But the thing I love about it is he takes him to the butt. <laughs> uh, I love the butt. <laughs> uh, can, can I teach a little bit about the butt? <laughs> uh, see, at the butt, right, what's in front of the butt <laughs> cancels out what's behind the butt. <laughs> uh, uh, see, see, Peter says, oh, you, Jesus was the rejected cornerstone. They didn't accept Jesus, and they wouldn't accept you because you are a child of God. But <laughs> Jesus is rejected. You are rejected. Jesus was the disinherited. But <laughs> I dare you to look at somebody and say, what's in front of your butt is better than what's behind your butt. I dare you to say it this morning. Come on, come on. I dare you to say it this morning. Jesus was the rejected cornerstone, but he is, he says, you are God's people. <laughs> he, Jesus, was rejected and disinherited, but he says, you are my possession. <laughs> Jesus was the rejected cornerstone, and he says to them, God has given you mercy, and I give you mercy. He says, but, but, listen, he says they have an inheritance. In 2 Samuel chapter 9 is one of my favorite stories. It's the story of a man named Mephibosheth. Somebody say Mephibosheth three times. <laughs> Mephibosheth was a young man who was, the son of John, who was the son of Jonathan and the grandson of Saul. Listen to this, y'all. And when he lost his parents, he ended up being, watch this, y'all, dropped by his nurse and ended up being raised, watch this, in Lodabar. Watch this. He was disinherited. The place where he lived, he no longer lived. He lived in this place called Lodabar. And so he had to live his life beneath this, in this disinherited place. But here in verse, in chapter 9, 2 Samuel chapter 9, the Bible says, David said, is there anyone in the house of Saul that I can show kindness? And he goes and, watch this, y'all, sin for Mephibosheth. He sends for Mephibosheth and he goes and sits him at the table. And he says, now listen, don't miss this. David is a king. He is disinherited. He is sitting at the king's table. And he says, everything that I possess belongs to you. He treats him like he is a son. He now, this disinherited, now is receiving a heritage. He says, is there anyone in the house of Saul I can show kindness to? He takes this disinherited and, and stores heritage in the disinherited. Let me tell you something, Grace City. That is the job of the church, that we are to see those who are disinherited, bring them and restore to them the heritage that one deserves. Restoration, Lil. Restoration. David set Mephibosheth at the table and said and gave him back 
his heritage. The second thing I want to lift up this morning is first we see worth in the disinherited. But the second thing I want to say to you this morning, you see witness of the disinherited. Listen to this. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners in exile to abstain from sinful desire waging war of your soul. Here it is. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day you visit us. Peter describes the people as aliens, uh, res aliens or the disinherited, disinherited. But Peter is addressing this idea of belonging here. He's reminding them that you don't have to live out of your circumstance, but you belong to something bigger. He says when you are the people of God, you, you don't have to make decisions, watch this, here it is, uh, based on the cultural dominance of the time. But what Peter says to them, you've got to remember who you belong to. Let me say it again. you got to remember who you belong to. He reminds them of who they belong to. Uh, see, th th this is the problem. I, I know what it is. I know what it is. Y'all look cute out here this morning, but I know what the problem is. What happens is we get our little house and we get our little car and we get our little stuff and we say, that's mine. But I've discovered something, y'all, that this time on this earth is nearly not about mine. It's not about what we own. It's really more of a timeshare. Let, 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 me, let me see if I can put it where you get it. I've had the privilege of going on some timeshares before in my life. I pay somebody, say, let me get your timeshare. And it's funny because they own it, but they allow me to use it. So when I go there, they treat me just like an owner. I, I get all the privileges, everything that goes on. I, I, I own that thing uh, for the time that I, I'm there, for that week I am there. But by the time I leave, they clean that thing up. And it's the next owner that has that possession. Well, Great City, I want us to understand that this life here, what we have here, it's like timeshare. It's temporary. Your permanency is in the kingdom of God. And we cannot treat this life as if this is some permanent resident. But God, and but guess what? Not only can we, we can't treat this life, we can't treat people like this is our permanent residency. We have... So Peter says to them, reminds them that they are in the kingdom of God. He reminds them that their life belongs to the kingdom of God. So he says, abstain from trying to have power over people. Why? Because this is not permanent. Abstain from, from striving to do good because this is not permanent. He says to them, have mercy because God has given you mercy. That's what he calls us to do. He says, glorify your father. That's what we're called to do. The last thing I want you to know is that, and I, I don't have a third point, and the worship team is coming, that not only uh, there is a work and a model that Jesus gives us, church, and it's located in Philippians chapter 2, 1 through 9. And hear these words. He says, in your relationship with one another, he says, do this. He says, 
by being the very nature and your relationship with one another have the same mindset of Christ, who being the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, by being made human likeness, by being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God exalted himself high place and gave him the name above every name, that every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. The bottom line, church, he, Philippians passage is so clear and it helps us today and Peter helps us today to understand this very thing. And don't, please don't ever forget it. That there's worth in the disinherited. There's a witness of the disinherited. And the work that comes from that is the body of Christ ought to be the model, the witness that brings worth to the disinherited. And how did Jesus, how would Thurman said, the Hindu asked, how in the world do you love this Jesus? Because he was the disinherited. He was the very nature of God who gave up his privilege, gave up his right to bring up those who were disinherited and gave them a heritage and gave them a life and gave each and every one of us a life beyond this life. That's the good news of the gospel. This gospel pulls those from the lowest place up and give them a heritage. There's power embracing the disinherited.